everybody, I just want to throw in some content warnings that we didn't think we were going to get to when we originally started the episode. Uh, those are for mentions of sexual assault, mentions of suicide, um, sexism, and uh, relationships with a large age gap. So I just want to make sure you're well warned, and uh, here comes the episode. Bye. Hello, everyone, and welcome to I Hope I Can Make It Through, Degrassi Viewing Podcast. I am your veteran, Donnie. I am your neophyte, Frank. And today we're going to be taking a look at Season 2, Episode 15, Hot for Teacher. Um, now, to get us through this riveting story, uh, we actually have a very special guest. This person is somebody who has a lot of experience being a teacher and definitely her fair share of experience specifically working with middle schoolers and high schoolers and the various shenanigans that they get into. Um, she's also somebody who writes as well as um, is just an absolutely brilliant person that I'm very happy to have in my life personally and I hope Frank enjoys her as well. Please give it up for Cassie. Woo! Yay! Nice. <laughs> So, Cassie, of course, the question is always, what is your relationship with Degrassi? Okay, so this is long and complicated and weird, so I'm going to try to keep it a little bit shorter than normal, but I have spent a lot of time with Degrassi throughout the various points in my life, but only as, like, a secondhand sort of thing. Just about every partner I've ever had romantically has always been a gigantic Degrassi fan. But for me personally, it never really clicked, so it was always sort of like, this is on in the background. I listen to you talk about these characters, and I humor you sometimes. But now, getting to dive in, I'm pretty excited about it. It's really weird to sit down and actually spend time with this. Um, we were talking before we recorded, and um, I, was, I realized in, that I'm pretty certain, Cassie, I have talked about this series extensively with with like multiple of your like past and present romantic partners and like i don't think we've ever actually had like a one-on-one -on -one conversation ever about the series <laughs> itself well here it is it's time i know right <laughs> finally after all these years um so of course as always we'd like to have our guest introduce a very brief introduction of our a plot and our b plot so cassie would you like to give it a shot yeah, absolutely. So our A-plot has JP, or JT, God, developing an appropriate crush, but also an appreciation for uh, guinea pigs and their mating habits. And similarly, <laughs> our, our B-plot has Spinner and Jimmy trying to work out on how honest is too honest in a friendship and a relationship. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that pretty much sums it up. Um Though so I was just thinking, because I'm pretty sure JP was the name of one of the characters in the fourth season of Digimon. And I was just oh, thinking God. how much better he would have been in this show than actual JT. Oof. <laughs> he, no, he was a good boy. Big old pudgy boy. Yeah, but you are also saying that a animated character from the fourth season of of something <laughs> is a better replacement to a principal character from the series who has literally been there since the beginning. I mean, honestly, at this point, if I had my if I had to go bottom the barrel of who I would replace JT with, and this isn't anything against the actor, it's just the character. Um, I would honestly replace him with the purple clad person from My Hero Academia. Ew. Roughly. Ooh. Ooh. 
Yeah, I mean, r- roughly the same, and, like, then he at least has superpowers. <laughs> I'm not saying I like him, I'm just saying, like, if I had to do a one-to-one, that's my one-to-one. Oh, that's dark. That's a real dark comparison. Ugh, yikes. Anyway, um... Does he get worse? I'm only up to season two. I mean, he never gets better. Okay. Well, in this episode, JT kind of gets better. Yeah, so, you know, in, in the neck-and-neck, bottom-of-the-barrel race between Mineta and uh, <laughs> JT, JT seems to have tripped forward a little bit after this one. Your hand soap in your bathroom smells awesome. Uh, I'm glad you think so. <laughs> it's it's a latte something or other. Marshmallow latte. Marshmallow pumpkin latte. Yeah, enjoy. <laughs> Um, really makes the pretentious way I hold my hands worth it. <laughs> yes. So, so, what are we thinking, folks? A plot or B plot first? I say B plot. I feel like, yeah, I was gonna go with B plot because yeah. I feel like A plot has a whole lot of stuff to get into. Yeah, yeah. There's there's like this unnecessary amount of layers in the A plot. That, um, I agree. So let's start with our B-plot. So our B-plot is this honesty pact type deal between Spinner and Jimmy. So the whole entire thing opens up with Armstrong being a math teacher again. Because (laughs) I guess they needed a math teacher and they went, right, we've had one episode where he was doing that and not athletics, so I guess. Um, and Spinner is asking him for help. And I had to re-listen to this and I hope I got it right. He thought he confused the word hex, like hexagon for sexgram. Sexagon. Sexagon. <laughs> Team boys. I don't know. You can make that comparison, kind of, but nah, I think you're pushing it a little bit. Yeah. Especially with like your athletic teacher, probably also your health teacher, definitely also for some reason your math teacher. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, like, yeah, and, like, Armstrong is also dealing with a tired and true, like, you know, experience of anybody who works in secondary ed, which is your kids hit puberty and they're stinky. Oh, my God. Yes, are they ever. And Spinner is not helping the situation by wearing a sleeveless shirt. And leaning in real close. Yeah. Um... As, so I really did enjoy the directing of this episode because mm-hmm. it seemed a lot more energetic than some episodes where just like plant the camera, have them talk, good, let's move on. Um, but the thing was, they give a shot of Ellie. Oh, she's in revelation in that outfit, but come on. <laughs> I wasn't even talking about the outfit. I was talking about her hair. Oh, the whole thing is a revelation. From the distance, I like I kept looking around my computer like I could see the other angles. Because I'm like, does she have four ponytails? Does she have four ponytails? <laughs> or four pigtails, I should say. Then I was like, nope. I mean, it's pretty crazy of two pigtails and a ponytail. And I was just like, oh, okay. That was some bold that choices. Triangle? Just a triangle. Uh, (laughs) But, like, anyway, the reason why we see Ellie is because, like, Spinner um, gets the answer, kind of pulls away. Armstrong misspeaks something along the lines of, like, saying, like, that he should bathe. 
Yeah. Like, and then as he's walking by, like, Ashley's, like, muttering about it. And Ellie, being Ellie, is just like, well, I'm just going to tell him he stinks. (laughs) So, like, she comes over and this outfit is beautiful. There's something so time capsule-y about the whole damn thing. I wasn't trying to, like, you know, diss her style, but yeah. I, like that hair was just like... Oh, it's so jarring. <laughs> it's just like, I, like, I guess, like, it's just like, like Frank said, like a ponytail, but then there are like two pigtails coming out of the side, and then she has this very blunt bang, which like, I don't remember her ever having, which is like also very interesting. And then like the rest of the outfit is just like this bright red, maybe mesh top, and then there's like a black camisole layered over it and this humongous belt. Like I don't know how that belt is supposed to have any purpose. It's so big. I really feel like they were just like make her look more like Avril Lavigne. <laughs> then turn the then turn the volume to 11 Avril Lavigne's. It was just it was so much for such a small scene like it just felt like she was she was just like in wardrobe for so long just to go up to spinner and say rule number one of puberty shower every day i mean yeah it's like to drive home maybe it's like a weird coded morality message all of you preteens and kids hitting puberty watching this pay attention to this batshit insane outfit but also maybe listen to her take a shower yeah which like (laughs) It is a rough lesson for a lot of our our lovely kiddos, like, especially now that I'm back in the middle school realm. It's, yeah, it's rough. It's really rough. Because I feel like by high school, it's like, they're they're pretty, I mean, there's, you know, a couple kids that are still trying to figure out, but like, overall, it's okay. And then, but like, in middle school, it's just, it's just an ugly experience all around. It is. Like, ugh, I love them, but. Do we mention the three necklaces Ellie's also wearing in the show? No. Do you, are you looking at a picture of the outfit? Oh, yeah. She's wearing three necklaces. She's wearing something that looks, looks like spikes. And then there looks like a black kind of like leather necklace. And then she also has like, I can't tell if it's just the tie off of the top itself or if it's just like a red string bowed at like as a necklace as well. Um... And she, she wasn't wearing, she's not wearing just the mesh shirt. She's wearing a tank top over the mesh shirt. Well, duh, you gotta layer. This is, this is the early aughts, baby. We layer everything. Like, it's just a lot. We're just, like, looking at a screenshot right now because it, it needed more attention. Plus, also, the very dark lipstick. Oh, yeah. It's just so good. I wanted to dress like her desperately when I was growing up. Which probably surprises nobody. I mean, I always wanted to try and make the long sleeve shirt, t-shirt combination work, but I never could. I lived in that look. So did I. For the longest time, it was like at least two shirts a day. Yeah. On top of each other. Yeah. Like, Cassie, I'm fairly certain I've seen you wear that look like not terribly long ago as well. Sounds about right. I tend to dress like a teenager when I'm not at work. (laughs) (laughs) Same. But, um, so, so Ellie calls him out and Spinner takes this as an affront and goes up to Jimmy and asks if he stinks. And Jimmy responds, 
in a way that's just he doesn't want to hurt his feelings <laughs> which it's just like and then he like references like that you can't handle the truth scene and like spinner doesn't get it yeah <laughs> uh, oh poor jimmy yeah, like, it just, like, goes over Spinner's head. Like, Spinner's too busy trying to make sense of the fact that his friend is trying to be nice to him. No, I was thinking more, like, he probably has to watch, like, he probably watches a lot of movies by himself. Jimmy? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, well, poor Jimmy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, though I do say he delivers the line better than that human, like, bag of leaves, Jack Nicholson. <laughs> 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 I don't know. Like, I just, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I just don't care for Jack Nicholson that much. <laughs> like, I don't think that's, I don't think that's an unpopular opinion. So, I don't have an opinion off the top of my head either way, to be honest. I know. I remember when we went to go see Something's Got to Give, and he chose spoiler for the end of Something's Got to Give. He chooses, Diane Keaton chooses Jack Nicholson over cute Dr. Keanu Reeves. Susie mm. just, my sister just jumped up and started screaming, this is bullshit, this movie is garbage, I'm out of here, and just walked out of the theater. Wow. <laughs> I respect that dedication. Because, I mean, who, like, who would choose Jack Nicholson over cute Keanu Reeves? Hmm. Especially Jack Nicholson, who was a misogynistic garbage person. Mm. Mm. Valid. Valid. So, that, like, Keanu Reeves is like, I love your plays. I've seen almost all of them. I'm like, come on. Like, <laughs> anyway. But, um. That was our Diane Keaton minute. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, the thing is, is, like, Spinner, Spinner then is just like, I want an honesty pack. And Jimmy gives, like, the most, like, tep- like, I think he literally says whatever in the response to it. It's just, like, their friendship is just, like, two people that are talking at each other continuously. But there is no actual, like, exchange that happens. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Frank showed me a picture. There's also a bit at the end where Spinner tries to, like, put fountain water on his armpits. Oh yeah, that that was definitely a thing. You definitely get a scene of just like some extra walking in the background making this incredible face as he's like leaning over the fountain, <laughs> splashing exposed armpits at that cutoff sleeve shirt. Honestly, the real heroes of Degrassi episodes definitely are those extras, I feel like. Those those hardworking extras. Right. Sometimes they have ventriloquist triloquist dummies. Other times they're just giving excellent faces for brief moments. They're the real heroes. I respect them. But, um, so Spinner, you know, tries to take care of that. And the scene ends. The next time we see the B-plot kick in again, we're seeing Ashley. And Ashley is reading, like, the most grim, dark poem ever. And Ellie is fucking living for it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, they are... Well, it's not a... Poem, it's a story. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Spoken word, really. Um, and it's just like, oh god, like Ashley is such an edge lord. <laughs> she is. She's like, join my hand, Ellie. We will stand upon this cliff. <laughs> and Ellie's just like nodding her head, like super into it. It's just like, 
That is a real friend, isn't it? Like being someone willing to cheer on your high school level writing and be supportive of it. It's good. Ashley's equally supportive of Ellie's taste in outfits, though. So you need that kind of friendship. Like, that's the type of friendship you should be looking for. You support my poor clothing tastes. I'll support your maybe questionable, super grim spoken word during English classes. Yeah, I agree. Like, they're very... They're, their dynamic is so, like, classic, like... Can we say scene kid? I feel like they're inching around, towing the line of scene kid with these two. But, like, that classic, like, relationship dynamic of that time period... At least for me. Like, there's something very nostalgic about Ashley and Ellie's friendship for me. Which might be because, like, I was very close to that aesthetic when I was a kid. And I was also the edgy writer type and everything. There's just something so familiar. I th- I think it just has to do with, like... You know, there's, there's always the, like... You want... To, there's, like, a want to be apart from all your like peers yeah and i think with ellie and at like ellie and ashley are kind of you know embodying that like for all of degrassi and yeah like the way they dress and act and whatnot um you know because i was thinking like because we see that constantly in like young adult media like harry potter isn't just a Harry Potter is so unique. He's not just a witch or wizard. He's like the chosen one out of all the witch and wizards. Yeah. Um, and because like when um, Ashley finishes her story, Miss um, Kwan is just like, anybody have any opinions on it? And um, Jimmy and Spinner are like, you know, snickering to themselves. Like they usually are. And then... Um, well, they also do something really messed up, which is the, and we'll have to put a content warning on this later, because I forgot to say it at the beginning of the episode, they fucking gesture slit in their wrists. Yeah, that was, like, seriously tasteless suicide joke that definitely was, like, jarring and telling of, like, what time period this piece comes from. Oh, yeah. Because, like, you don't really see that today. Yeah. Nearly as much without, like, some sort of context, and it was just sort of, like, a throwaway in there, kind of, like, LOL sort of thing. Yeah, it was definitely, like, of that time period where, like, you know, are there still jokes about self-harm and suicide and stuff like that? Kids are vicious, there always is. But, like, there's something about that time period in particular, especially with, like, self-harm-related jokes. Like, I feel like it was so freewheeling back then, like, constantly. I I think it has to be. I'll put the content warning at the beginning yeah, for the episode. I know you will. You're good with that. Thank you. Um, I well, I think it has to do with like for all the problems of the internet, and there is an argument to say it's made us less empathetic towards each other. I do think like we've been with the advent of it, we're able to like understand more of each other. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, because, like, back then, like, you know, you just didn't know what was going on. And, like, you didn't know, oh, these jokes can hurt people. And, like, these jokes are super awful. Plus, also, you know, the Degrassi writers don't really give a shit. (laughs) No, they don't. We know that. But, like, they, they do that gesture. And then, like, I couldn't really tell. Did it look like Quan saw them do that? 
I feel like the entire time that we were sort of looking at Miss Kwan's face, it was a lot of, like, her kind of wide-eyed, like, I don't even know how to respond to this, like, because I could acknowledge that this is a super grim, like, overdramatic writing piece, but if I do that, then it could be really bad. Similarly, I think she saw them do it, and it was just, like, a conscious choice to turn your head ignore. That's what I felt like, which is very odd, because, like, Cassie, I know you you have just kind of been in and out of this series, but, like, Quan is usually framed as a hard-ass, and, like, that's kind of her, like, her teaching style, though she's not always great with feelings, has very particular standards, and, like, the second that, like, for a lot of season one, especially, like, the second Spinner would screw up, she would call him out on it, and things like that. So there is something very... Which, I mean, I guess there's something to be said, like, a teacher who's able to handle rowdy students versus a teacher who's able to handle sensitive issues are, like, two entirely different ones. But it is very just, like, like, it's still very upsetting to kind of watch this teacher just let that shit slide. Um, and the whole entire rest of this scene, she just handles it with a, in a way that just seems so inept, like, all mm -hmm. around. Yeah, like... There, I, I have a lot of problems with the way Miss Kwan's handled in this episode. Yeah. Because Miss Kwan seemed like, out of all the teachers, she seemed like the most level-headed one and not, like, kind of, you know, there was, like, with Armstrong, we saw a whole episode where we described, like, yeah, I would not get a great feeling about that guy after I heard what happened, even though, like, most of it wasn't true, but, like, you know. Um, and then, like, Spite, or Snake is just... There's a myriad of problems with Snake. Yeah. And then there's just the miscellaneous other teachers. But Ms. Kwan always seemed like the rock out of all of them. Yeah. Because I remember the way she handled things in, um, uh, what was the, the revenge episode. Yeah, the date night and then the B-plot was. Yeah. Where, like, until, like, until the pressure got to be too much to her, she was, like, on it. Yeah. So. Yeah, because, like, the way that she does is, like, she presumably sees that, doesn't say anything about it, and then pokes the bear, basically, and is like, oh, Jimmy, like, give some feedback on here. Like, that's gonna end well. <laughs> um, and, and, like... So, like, oh, I'm sorry, before no, you go continue. For it. Um, but not knowing that Jimmy and Ashley were in some sort of romantic relationship tryst prior to this, presumably, like, your teachers know those things. Whether or not you make it abundantly clear to your teacher, we know. Yes, we do. So, presumably, to make that choice, to see that, to know that there's, like, presumably hard feelings, or at least, like, some hurt feelings between those two, and then to have Jimmy comment on Ashley's work publicly, like, all of that seems like really poor intentional choices. I agree. And, and to make it... And the thing about Quan is she 100% knows that they were together because she broke them up, like, making out in the hall, and, like, in the classroom once. Like, like she, she's aware. With, with what was essentially a teacher elbow drop. Yeah. <laughs> like, she 100% knows. And, and that's also something to, to keep in mind, like... To echo your, your sentiment, Cassie, absolutely. We know when people are dating. Um, and... Like, I know that there were times where I knew that there were messy breakups and stuff like that, and I would just keep those 
kids separated, like, in any way, shape, or form. I would not want them to interact with each other if I could help it. I didn't like them interacting when they were together in class because they were glued to each other, and I don't like it when they are angry at each other because then they can do even, like, worse things to each other. So... Yeah, like, as soon as you have a student breakup, it's like, guess who has random new seeds? Everyone. Surprise. Exactly. Wow. Did we just blow Frank's mind? You did. Oh... (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's why we got new seats right around March. Since <laughs> <laughs> Valentine's Day is over, automatically it's like, all right, we have to do this. We have to do this now. You also know when friends are fighting. So you know, like, all right, maybe if I'm making groups this week, they don't get to work together. Yes, yes, yes. And, and this is, like, really pivotal in the younger grades because like when it comes to like friend dynamics especially in middle school they literally change every week sometimes every day wait like oh god i hated working in groups yeah yeah <sighs> that's why I'm, that's why i like being a writer and i did i don't have to like be like oh sure drummer we'll play your songs <laughs> <laughs> I just like being by myself in a room, working solely by myself. Well, as teachers, we have to implement group dynamics. <laughs> okay. Well, well, we we tried, we tried, but um, so yeah, so Quan opens up Jimmy to being able to talk to Ashley about this. Um, Spinner reminds him, like, hey, we're in the honesty pack thing. And then Jimmy takes this as him being able to tell the whole entire class and Ashley that it sounds like a suicide note. And Ashley... Which, again, inappropriate. Yeah, super inappropriate. Should have been de-escalated in some way, shape, or form. And Ashley... Ashley just says, well, you are being a conformist. possibly be a conformist would never understand her art (laughs) i'm laughing but i'm kind of laughing at myself like i'm kind of laughing at myself at this age i'm just like now i'm just imagining ashley and ellie at the cliff and like it's like that scene from the sylvester stallone movie cliffhanger and, like, the two of them just yelling, like, we're so extreme, on the edge! Oh, my God. <laughs> Ella yelling down to Ashley, who's, like, hanging from some pylons and ropes off the cliff edge. <laughs> but, um... Everybody else is just conformist! They won't come to this cliff! Well, that's literally... Like, that's just how Ashley deals with it. Which, like, okay, you know what? I get it. Um, <laughs> and then, like... But then Quan's response to it is just, like, how... Like, she tries to de-escalate the situation of being like, yeah, this is a space for constructive criticism. You know, because Ashley just storms off. Yeah. Which, admittedly, like, same. Yeah, right? Um, and then, is that it for that scene? Yeah. So then, the next time we um, join our two knuckleheads, um, Jimmy is complaining that him and Ashley were just about to get back together. Spinner is about to say something, he doesn't, and Jimmy's like, no, like, honesty packed, you have to, like, tell me the truth. And Spinner 
just kind of says like, yeah, every time you get back together with Ashley, you just become like whipped essentially. Like, yeah. like you constantly change your mind to whatever she wants. And but like, it's, uh, it's but, awful. but also like, you know, like Jimmy is just like, oh, I don't know. I don't know about this whole honesty pack thing. You know, some people don't want the whole truth. He says specifically. Um, and then Ashley appears and she's just like, I'm so grateful that you criticized my work. I decided to edit it. You inspired me. And it's just like, but, but like, that wasn't even criticism. It was, it sounds like a suicide note. <laughs> this writing is so bad sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been so much better if Jimmy just like broke it down piece by piece. He's like, where's this plot going? There's plot holes aplenty in your story. Why do I care? Why am I why am I I uh, here? Although I do take that back. I feel like he says something to that effect in the initial scene. He just says like I forget exactly how he phrases it, but he does kind of point out that it's like like, it seems to run away from her. Mm-hmm. Like, she gets caught up in kind of the language of it, and it runs away from her. So, at least at least he says that much. I will give him that. And, like, that is enough for a writer to have some sense of direction of what they should edit it to. Yeah. But, you know, the, the whole suicide note comment kind of negates any possible potential criticism in my book. Yeah. So. Yeah, if somebody says that about my writing, I'm just, I'm not listening to you because clearly you have nothing important to say to me. Right. Or you can't explain yourself in a way that doesn't come off as extraordinarily offensive. Exactly. Like, you're in the hole. Like, you, you can't climb out of that hole very easily when you've, like, said something like that. It's like the criticism version of Batman interrogating the Joker, where he's like, you can't just start with, like, a straight-up insult then you don't feel anything else. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, just your, any potential momentum is gone. Anyway, it works for Ashley. She's grateful. She's inspired. Um, Spinner makes that, you know, admits that he thinks that Jimmy is, becomes a puppet and Ashley's a puppet master when they're back together. So the next time that we see Jimmy, he Terry is spotting him in the computer lab and he's making a list of all the, the things that piss him off about Spinner. <laughs> How long is that list? <laughs> um, he's like reading it. To, he's almost proofreading it to make sure he's covered everything. <laughs> I feel like this sums up this friendship in the sense that like, I'm always just like, I don't understand this dynamic. They don't actually like each other. And I feel like it's all encapsulated in the idea that this guy sat in a computer lab for X amount of, I don't even know how much time listing out everything that pisses them off like i'm a petty person i'll complain about people i don't think i've ever done that you never sat down and made a list of every single thing that makes you angry about someone that you're supposedly friends with no i i will say i've made pros and cons lists but not just the overt total con list i mean i've written things in my diary about people like yeah, but did you go, like, like note for note, like, one, two, three, four? No, like, that seems like such a dark place to be in. <laughs> I'm just like, let me list out all these, all this person's negative qualities. How about you, Cassie? I don't know that I've ever made such a list on paper, but I've definitely, like, 
had thoughts to myself where it's like, why do I still hang out with this person? Yeah, yep. that's real. My brain. Yeah. But never out of like anger or because they called me out on like a poor relationship choice or a poor decision. It's never been like reactionary. Yeah, yeah. I think that's like the wild thing to me is like we've all I would venture to say like everybody has had that moment with somebody in some way, shape, or form. They're like, Why the hell am I friends with this person? I don't see like, you know, and like trying to make that in your head. But like there is something to be said about I'm going to make a list and then I'm going to give this person this list so that they know how they piss me off. And he made a list presentation of the list not just i'm making this list because i'm angry and i need to get it out it's i need to tell this person the list yeah and like he made a list and checked it twice yeah and then like when terry is makes a comment about it he then threatens to make a list about her too specifically (laughs) yeah starts starts, like listing it as she like runs away so the list can't become real it's just like how much hate does this child have in his heart? <laughs> like, I mean, Listen, he just wanted to keep dating Ashley, who is obviously like the cute little goth girl of his dreams. Yep. So he needs to find a way to appeal to that innate darkness within her, and it's obviously by a hate list. <laughs> Honestly, that's the best theory that I think could come up for me to like understand this on a level of how does this connect to Jimmy's character. I just think Jimmy has a lot of anger inside of him. I think he does too. I think he does. I think the writers will do not properly explore it, but I think that he does have a lot of anger, and I think a lot of it, and I think he has a lot of frustration. And, and I think a lot, like, ultimately what this says about Jimmy as a character is that he has very few genuine friends. Which is an issue we've seen to a certain extent in the past with his character. But, like, I feel like the moments like this really affect me as a viewer because I feel like they're totally not what you're supposed to get out of these scenes. And yet that's, like, all I can get out of these scenes It's just how angry and frustrated this kid is and how much he does not have like genuine connections with anybody i mean yeah you're making a list like this like something something is going wrong yeah something happening inside that this list has gone from just angry brain thoughts to computer screen yeah to like there is something that is pushing him to to make that jump and it is, and I understand it's supposed to be like you're you're supposed to re- view this as the as the person watching it, like oh, the honesty pact is what's pushing him to that, but like that's not it. Yeah, that's just not it. So, um, we then cut back to the two chuckleheads. Yep. <laughs> and their uh, spinner's getting on a bus. Um. And they are just sniping at each other. Like, Jimmy's like going off on his list. Spinner's making a spur of the moment list. To be to be fair to Jimmy, Jimmy has been the only one getting truth bombs laid on him. Yeah, yeah, it's well, true. Well, let's be real. Like when when somebody says we're going to have an honesty system between the two of us, I feel like a lot of it is just that person wants to let loose. Like. Well, it started with Spinner being embarrassed that he was smelly. Yeah. And no one telling him 
he was smelly, just like making faces and offhanded comments about how somebody needs to take a bath. Yeah. So he just wants to attack after it, being attacked. It like you know we all know the I'm not racist, but like comment. But then there's like the phrase "Let me be frank." Um, lowercase Frank, <laughs> um, which is, I want to say something that's going to hurt you, and I'm hoping there's going to be no repercussions. Oh, yeah. Because I'm being honest. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, or like, like, uh, I'm trying to think of exactly how people usually frame it. I, I try to avoid these types of people, so I can't remember the words quite exactly, but like, when someone is just like, I'm just honest, I'm just blunt, and then I'm just like, I fucking hate this person because I hate, like, X, Y, and Z about them. And I'm like, no, no, no that's just, you're just being mean. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you don't like this person, just avoid them. Like, <laughs> I promise. Yeah, let me be honest and blunt. I don't think you have enough to do in your life. Yeah, right? <laughs> you're so full of negativity. Yeah. But, like... There is a really sad part to, at least to me, there was something that was kind of sad about Spinner's List, which was that he says that Jimmy is a bum who stays over his house too much. And that is upsetting because, Cassie, I, I don't expect you to kind of remember this detail, but, like, season one, there was an episode that talked about how Jimmy was hanging out at Ashley's house a lot, and, and Ashley was feeling kind of overwhelmed by the whole thing. But the revelation is that Jimmy's parents are never home, literally worked through his birthday and things like that. So it's sad and kind of interesting to see this thread continue because, like, like you know, we don't have any proof that the parents care to, like, reevaluate their work schedule or anything like that. Jimmy is just now hanging out at a different house since that breakup happened. I mean... It's really hard. That sucks. Yeah. It's just, and like, we know, I'm pretty sure we've seen episodes in season two where he still seems to have a good relationship with um, Toby. Yeah. And I'm thinking like, that's why they're like, you know, he still has it with Toby. It's one more person that, you know, he doesn't have to be alone. Mm-hmm. So, poor Jimmy. Yeah. Yeah. It sucks. It's, it's, uh. It's one of those things where, once again, I don't know how intentional the writers were being with that line, but it's interesting to see that thread continue after it was a pretty big issue in one of the episodes in the past. Well, I was just thinking about him lying about how his mom was going to be home and make lobster for dinner on his birthday. Yeah, that was that was so sad. That was so rough. Ugh. But, um, you know, they had that whole entire thing. Um, they fight. Spinner's bus leaves. Um, I did enjoy Spinner just hanging out of the bus yelling at Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> Very raw. Very raw moment. Um, so, the next time we see them, they're in Quan's class again. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. One last detail I really love is that, yeah. like, Jimmy yells something back at him, then turns to somebody off camera and just goes, What? <laughs> <laughs> Let me have my fight in peace. <laughs> Yes, we're fighting in public. <laughs> like, uh, like, I do, I don't know. 
Like, they're so dumb sometimes, but I still do feel a wave of affection for those two knuckleheads. Yeah. I. They're very teenage boy. Yeah. And they're not as awful as Toby and JT are. Yeah. I think that's the other thing. It's, like, one of those things where if you look at the rest <laughs> of the pack, which is, like, of all the male characters, it's, like, in the grand scheme of things, they could be far worse. There is this... Like, I think that while I don't really think they're, like, very sincere friends, I don't really think they like each other, there is this element to them that feels very much like high school friendships where you're stuck with this person and you'd rather be stuck with this person than another group of people. Yeah. Like, they they really feel like a friendship with a very clear expiration date and that expiration date is graduation day. Yeah. Which I don't know if that's intentional, but that's how they read to me a lot while I'm watching them interact. But um, the next time they're in Quan's class, um, they both come to the conclusion that being honest hurts people. And to drive the point, Quan has like... A pen has basically exploded in Mrs. Quan, Miss Quan's mouth. Yeah. Like, it's... But that's like... Besides the pen having exploded, there's nothing to indicate that she's got any idea. But you know if that happens. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Like, I've tasted ink before. It does not taste good. Yeah. Like, you you should, in theory, be aware of that. Like, but they also on her face for some time, to the point where it looked like she was almost sucking on the pen. And, like... It was almost very phallic in the way they went about it for, like, five seconds. Yeah. Yeah. It was super uncomfortable. And you absolutely know if there's, like, ink on your face, especially if you're the type of person that, like, chews out of habit. Yeah. It, it's very... It's just, like, the whole, the whole premise of it was very odd. And it felt like they could have done that. Like, even... Like, her fucking fly is down. I don't know. Like, it just feels like... <laughs> it's a weird, very obvious joke that, that comes across to, like, hammer home the point that maybe honesty isn't the best policy. But, like, I'm, I agree with you on that one, but I'm still just like, you know, you don't have to just derail people or, like, deride people on their innermost secrets all the time, but you can also just be a decent person and let your teacher know, hey, you have some pen on your face, and also, it would have made a lot more sense if she had, like, put the pen in her, like, blouse pocket and it had, like, you know, leaked all over, the, all over the, like, on her shirt. Like, why, like, why the mouth? Like, it, it, it was so gross and weird. Yeah, it was really weird. And also, like, so, so, I feel like especially when it comes to these boy-centric plots, Degrassi notoriously misses the mark. They are usually the weakest episodes. I think a lot of the reason why they're extremely weak is because the Degrassi writers love to write within the structure of masculinity and the toxicity that can come from it, as opposed to really trying to create good commentary. And I think this episode suffers in it a lot because your takeaway from it is just, oh, sometimes telling the truth isn't great. And I feel like that shouldn't be the point. These two have issues with each other. They have issues with how they communicate with each other. They have issues with the way that they act with each other. So why couldn't the consequence of this have been, 
maybe we should communicate about the things that bother us and actually have an open type of relationship and that we feel comfortable bringing up our concerns with each other as opposed to we should just lie and not worry about like things that bother us i'm now looking at this it's there's no names i recognize on this oh baby uh janus senor claire ross dunn and sean jera yeah those are not familiar writers like aaron martin's not on here nobody like i've seen before yeah but, like, that's the thing that bothers me about it is, like, it, I, I understand that, like, not every single plot on this show has to be, like, this deep revelation or this deep, um, you know, talking about a topic of some sort. But I feel like if you're doing this whole entire show and your whole entire purpose of it is to have this slight public service announcement edge to it, like, why don't you actually work on some of these like more difficult to spot issues especially when it comes to like learning personal boundaries and learning how to communicate with each other like it just seems like a waste what was At that, that point, it would have to be a plot you would have to move that entire like jokey sort of boys go back and forth yelling things about how embarrassing they are into the forefront and actually like have a real conversation about masculinity and relationships between boys and I guess that's the issue. Yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah. It's, and I guess that's a, that is a big issue. Like, you would have to really take the time to piece it apart. But also, and maybe I'm just being very contrary with this one, I feel like there are far better B-plots done with the girls in the cast on some pretty complicated topics, because... Even, like, some of the B-plots that we've seen, while they're not, like, the end of the world that they're talking about, like, ultimately the girls end up on a spot. A lot of the time it is about, like, miscommunication or not understanding boundaries and things like that. And then they communicate that they have these issues, they figure it out, they move on. And I wonder how much of that is just legitimately they don't have enough time to do something that is kind of ambitious. Or if it is just this fear of not wanting to, like, kind of push the boys in a way that they don't that they don't get out of that box of just being goofballs. Is it... Interesting. Like, as someone who doesn't... Know, is not fully invested in the show. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't really comment on that, but I think it's interesting that that's something that stands out to you. Yeah. Because it's like... I, once again, I know, Cassie, you're more of like, you kind of are more like a Degrassi observer in many ways. Um, but like, it, it feels like my constant issue with this series is that the girls are allowed to be complicated, the boys are not allowed to be. Like, the boys always have to be one-dimensional, no matter what. And, and I feel like that leads to this type, this feels like a standard plot for the boys in the sense that, like, they don't really learn anything. I don't know why I just spent, like, ten minutes of this episode watching these boys do this. It didn't get me anywhere. They still have issues with each other. And as far as I know, the writers are not going to do anything about it. And it's just very frustrating. I'm, like, working on a theory, and I'm just going to start putting bits of it out there. Mm-hmm. But I think part of it is just, like, in the eyes of the, like, Degrassi writers, like, girls are not allowed to have, like, 
as much fun as the boys are. True. And this is something we've seen in TV constantly. Yeah. Like... Girls can't just have, like, shenanigans. Yeah. Because, like, I'm thinking about the episode, like... You know, we have two characters who are essentially, like, like kind of fussy mothers, Emma and Ashley. Yeah. Um... I mean, then there's, like, we have Terry, who's constantly derided, and not, like, the one time she's allowed to cut loose, it ends terribly for her. Paige also has consequences when she tries to do something fun. Yeah. Hazel also, like, you know, Hazel has, like, you know, gets punished in some way, shape, or form as well, whether it's, like, she wants to sing and she can't sing anymore and things like that. Like, she's not allowed to have fun either. Yeah, like... I know, like, it, so, like, so therefore, like, the, the, I guess what I'm coming to is that, like, they're forced to grow and change mm-hmm. because we can't let the, like, if, if the girls have to grow up, like, because that's what, you know, children do, mm-hmm. but the boys, we want the boys to stay children as long as possible because they're more fun. Yeah. They're our comedy there are, like, good time. Mm-hmm. So, the girls get handled all the heavy stuff. They get to become adults while the boys are going to become man-children. Yeah. So, it just it just continues to perpetuate the issues with the gender binary that media as well as society has struggled with for a long time. Like, even thinking to Jimmy and Snake, who are t- two of our more, you know, adult male characters. Jimmy? like Joey. Okay, I was like, huh? Joey is, like, a dad and, like, a dad to a small child, plus, you know, his adopted son. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's still allowed to have, like, the fun-loving, loose bachelor lifestyle. Yeah. Snake, when he's confronted with Spike's pregnancy is just, like, he reacts in such a, like, an immature manner. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, Cassie just, I don't know if you saw that episode, but, like, when Snake finds out, like, Emma tells Snake about her mother's pregnancy, and Snake just yells at, like, a 13-year-old in the middle of the street... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's it's ugly. Yeah, it's a rough scene. Um but it's just like and even he like even he's allowed to go out for a bachelor party and have fun that night whilst you know, Spike is left to holding the bag and the one left of like the heavy night. Mm-hmm. Like her night gets you know, like the prospect of telling Snake ruins her night. And it's and also that one shitty friend. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Dumb. Yeah. Ooh. So, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep track of this. Yeah. I think this has some legs. I think this has a lot of leg, and I'm kind of mad that I didn't notice it myself. But thank you, Frank. That's why we have we're co-hosts, and it's not just <laughs> one of us in a room alone. Just uh, yelling into the void of Epic oh, Crossing. That's depressing. That's some. That's been chunks of my life. So let's not go back to that. <laughs> Um, that's all I gotta say about the B-plot. Yeah. I don't know about y'all. 
Anything you'd like yeah, to add? No, no, no. Stinky teenage boys right now. Yeah. I, I'll have some stuff to say about it in my rankings. Yeah. <laughs> Dark. But um, speaking of stinky critters, let's talk about guinea pigs in this A-plot. I thought you were going to talk about your rats. No! <laughs> no. Either way. Yes. Um, so, their A-plot, which... I'm just going to toss content warnings at this point. Like, inevitably, we're going to be talking about, like, age gaps and teacher-student relationships. And though this story is not anything that's explicit in terms of, like, showing that type of stuff, even if there's a lot of implications of it, I feel like inevitably we're going to be talking about it in that way and probably referencing media or our experiences with media that go in that direction. So just kind of be aware. So if that's something you definitely don't want to hear... Do we need to slap a toxic masculinity warning on it? Or I feel like it's every damn episode. Yeah, it's every episode. But, um, so, we opened up the episode. This is our A-plot, so this is our first thing. Hasselakos, who is the science teacher, is talking about, like, attraction. As, from, like, what, like, magnets and shit. <laughs> I'm not a science person. Different forces at work in the universe, and all of them indicate that at some point something's gonna stick itself to something else. That's basically what we get. Yeah, yeah, that's literally it. Um, and JT, what was it? Static electricity? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it feels like she talks about static electricity for like two weeks. Like I want to know what her unit plan looked like. (laughs) It's just like I'm just gonna rub balloons on these kids' heads for five days. But um, JT is obviously <laughs> bored by this whole thing um, and decides to grab one of the little wooden mammoth models that you kind of like pop out the pieces and put together. Um, grabs that, grabs one of them. There was a mastodon. Uh, you're, it was a mastodon, you're right. Damn. Thank you for pointing you're that out. About it. <laughs> he took the mastodon. God damn it. Why do you have to pick the one that my Jersey accent comes out on? <laughs> Mastodon. <laughs> Fuck. Yo, wear your, wear your Mastodon on the date. You'll look like an artist. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, so JT grabs the model and he's just fucking annoying. <laughs> like, this, this, this episode had the like most recorded moments of Frank saying to himself, be brave, little soldier. <laughs> like... Because I was just like, oh, Christ, I fucking hate every second of this. It's just so annoying. It's so childish. Yeah, and I get it, but, like, oh, my God. So he's, like, shoving it in kids' faces, you know, going underneath the table and raising it up. He's And, like, the whole entire time, he's like, oh, I'm lonely. Oh, will you be my friend? And, like, blah, 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 until he gets to the other. I wish... I wish Ellie was in that class. Oh my god, she would just step on it. (laughs) She'd be like, that Mastodon represents your inner voice. Oh god. (laughs) Because that's what I was thinking. I was just like, oh, look, it's JT's... Projection. Yeah. (laughs) JT projecting projecting on this on this thing and we can tell it's this projection because what happens at the end (laughs) so he takes the mastodon god damn it i hate this word um brings it to the (laughs) other mastodon mastodon fuck it whatever he literally 
takes one of them and has it like but he just makes them look like they have sex there's no other way around it he makes them look like they're fucking in the middle of class <laughs> alright you ever get your slides out <laughs> okay um so and then Hathalakos materializes at that point which I'm sorry if I want to believe, okay, I'm obviously, I still have a lot to learn about classroom management. I'm not going to act like I am a perfect educator in any way, shape, or form. If my fucking shit stirrer was scurrying around the room, I feel like I would notice. Okay, so two things here. Please. You just mentioned that you are not a classroom management expert. Uh, my last job literally had me doing just that. Yeah. So I was one of my school's deans, and you would be amazed at how frequently like insane things that should be super obvious go by the wayside because like you have some other weird little fire to put out that's true you're just so sick of paying attention to like the shitty kid that you turn around and you focus all your attention on the kid that's actually paying attention to the biology lab like your anchors look maybe we're not using like fire today nor accelerant gases so i don't need to worry about an explosion so whatever it is he's doing can't be as bad, and I'm just going to focus on the kid that's not going to give me a headache. That's a fair point. That's that's a very good point. Like, oh my god. Sometimes it's easier to ignore if it's a little thing until you can't ignore it anymore, and I feel like maybe harassing someone with a Mastodon model is maybe not terrible <laughs> until all of a sudden it's like, well, this Mastodon is going to mount this other Mastodon in a weird <laughs> way that Mastodons may or may not have actually had sex with each other because I don't know like I'm a freshman in high school in Canada why would I know these things <laughs> and although to be fair I was impressed by the fact that he knew it was a mastodon not a mammoth I mean I didn't and, like, fucking remember that was a thing that like stood out in my notes because no child knows that difference unless you have a weird nerdiness about ancient creatures yeah especially when it's like little wooden pop-out models and not like a picture or a painting or like a scale model not made out of pop-out wood. Yeah, and I, I feel like that's a really interesting thing to point out because I feel like JT, if the writers really wanted to, has some foundational special interests that I think that they would be able to create something with him that would be kind of interesting. Because not only do we have like this established that he's able to identify a creature with a lot of specificity. He also is, like, really good at sewing and has a design eye and things like that. And, like, it's interesting when you point out things like that because it makes me realize that if they really tried, they could make JT into something that is more than what he is. And it just kind of feels like it's a waste of potential in cer to a certain extent. Like, I, I feel like it would be nice to see him have, like, genuine interests because a lot of the time when we see him, his interest is girls. And even though Toby is obnoxious, at least Toby likes computers and he tries wrestling and he tries, like, interests outside of women. But JT never gets, like, anytime he has, like, a potential interest that's not women, it's an inconvenience 
or it's something he's trying to hide or something like that. Or it's something he's going to use to try and get female attention. Exactly. Or it's something that's manipulative. And it would be nice to see him just like something for the sake of liking something. Or it's a hanger-on from when he was a kid and he used to get those dinosaur magazines every month. Yeah. But, um, so Hasselakos goes, okay, you know what? Mastodon's fucking too far. <laughs> and and declares that's her line which now you say it Cassie that definitely makes tracks like it's like you know what okay you're having some shenanigans fine okay that's too much um and she just like you know just on the spot says that he has his punishment is going to be that he has to be on guinea pig duty which they've done a lot they did a lot of gratuitous shots of guinea pigs squeaking all around in the classroom um, to kind of set this up. So he now has to come in early in the morning and also has to come in after school to clean up the guinea pigs. Uh, honestly, I was just like, that's not a punishment. <laughs> they're adorable. They're sweet. They do have a bit of a rodent smell to them, but if you keep them clean, they're not terrible. And they actually don't need to be cleaned every day. Because they're animals that do need to re-ingest their own waste in order to, like, survive. Love it. I so. love that. I love... That's, like, the funniest thing to learn about, about, like... Like, I love, like, when I was... When I first got rats, like, one of my many nervous Google searches was, was why do my rats eat their poop? <laughs> <laughs> and then... You don't need to do that because our bodies are have a long enough intestine that we get out all the nutrients we need but you know some animals mostly rodents just they need a second time around yeah yeah and like that was the thing it was like two questions one like you know is it normal for my rats to eat poop the answer was yes and then the second question was can i get my rats to stop eating poop and the answer was no (laughs) (laughs) it's like the times my sister would like be leaving for work and she'd hear one of the kids mom you know what I'm going to cut that out. We don't need that much animal talk. (laughs) Anyway, guinea pigs are good. I had one when I was growing up. I love their little chicken legs. They're my favorite qualities of them. There was not enough guinea pig chicken leg action on this one, in my opinion. My sister would, in college, just keep getting handed, like, rodents of various sorts, and I always ended up with them, and I always enjoyed them. They're good. Except for Luna Lovegood, who... I finally figured out what she was doing. She was using her fat body to open up her door and then chewing her, chewing herself a home in my posters. <laughs> I love her. Luna. Luna. She made, like, the, she made the, um, cartoon, like, mouse hole through a bunch of rolled up posters. I love her. I loved her well, but I was very disappointed. Of course, but she... She's got brains. Yeah, I eventually, like, had to put a twist tie around her door, and she chewed through all the plastic stuff, and they got really angry at me, because she couldn't chew through the metal. <laughs> oh, Luna. <laughs> but, um, so, so he has to do guinea pig cleanup duty. Um, he comes in next morning, and there's this very gratuitous shot of, of like, the legs of Hasselakos. Oh leg cross, followed by the, like... We move up a little bit. There's a tiny little boob jiggle. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, and she has like a black miniskirt on. There's like a slit. She's wearing heels. It's just so gratuitous. I mean, <sighs> and there's the bending at the waist scene where it's just like a butt shot for a couple seconds. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, like. It's thing he needs to do is bend over at the waist in front of this like young teenage boy. Yeah. Like. Well, really officially started. Like. Okay, I don't know if this is something that you have experienced, that you developed, Cassie. I don't know if other people have developed this who work with kids. But, like, I started doing this very weird habit, and I didn't really notice it until people pointed it out to me that weren't students or anything. I do splits a lot when I'm talking to people. And, I, and like, a lot of my friends, especially, like, internet friends would point it out. Like, when they meet me in person, they would be like, you do that a lot. And I was like, why do I do that so much? And I realized the reason why was because, like, I didn't want to bend over when I would be going up against a desk or, like, going near a desk or anything. So, like, in my little peanut brain. What was that? Like, I'll do a little bit or I'll either do that or I'll squat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean... I bend knees, squatting hurts. So, like, a lot of the time I do the split, but, like, I've done the squat. Like, I never bend over. Like, and I don't wear, I don't wear skirts a lot of the time when I, when I'm, like, working with kids or anything. But I'm still just, like, wouldn't be caught dead doing it. Okay, so I do wear skirts a lot. Like, up until it's hit 50 degrees a couple of weeks ago, my kids this year had not seen me in pants ever. Wow. And it was, like, a jarring experience for them to see me wearing pants. And when I have to, like, pick something up, it becomes a conscious choice. And it has been for some time now where I need to, like, squat. Yeah. Or, like, get someone else to pick it up. Or, like, find a way to lean over that does not involve me bending at the waist. And as teachers, especially, like, as teachers of teenagers, you find yourselves practically contorting yourself yep. to avoid those situations. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. It's just, like, the way it is. Like, I I have no... Like, I'm sure there... Obviously, there are bigger conversations that can be had about this, but I feel like it's something that I've noticed with a lot of, like, teachers, like, who, who are constantly trying to be aware of this. It's just, like, the weird positions you end up in. <laughs> because you are terrified of doing something that could leave you in a more compromising position. I'm just... Yeah, absolutely. I, I just have two thoughts. One, men are terrible. True. <laughs> and the other one is, like, because I have a bad back, I've had to develop other picking up methods. Yeah. One is, if it's a small enough object, I just use my toes. Oh, yeah. Big fan of that. The other one is... um like the full-on ballet pose I do <laughs> and I know you nobody can see this but I'm gonna do it for Donnie on Donnie. I'm gonna try and describe it okay he's standing up okay, I'm just gonna put my phone he's standing down. up he's putting his phone down okay so it's kind of like he's putting oh, I can't yep he tried I, to put it's his like hand. funny I can't do it without there we go okay oh I see so for for people who are not here in this room in the second he he did this thing where he kind of lifted his leggy out and <laughs> used the force of him lifting his leggy out to bend down and grab his phone in one fluid motion. So it was. Oh, I think that's too cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's what's funny is I'll do it most of the time without thinking. So then when they actually had to put together what I'm doing, I was like, No, I don't know how this actually works. Yeah. 
because I just do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just, like, the weird little things your body, like, learns just to cope. <laughs> but, um, JT takes this whole entire thing. He's, like, super awooga mode. I don't know how else to put it. Um, and he's, like, trying to milk this whole situation for all it's worth and tosses a pen down to see if she will go and grab it. Um, which she skillfully goes, oh, that's not mine, and kind of deflects out of the situation. Which, very clever. Um, she then introduces the guinea pigs, whose names are Jasper, Bismarck, and Isabella. <laughs> Is that a reference to something? Uh. No. Right? But it definitely stood out as, like, super weird names for pigs. Yeah. I, I, I think, like... I think Miss Hasselakos might be like, just kind of like a like closet weird, like where she's just like, eh, these are good enough names for pigs. Well, because I was like, at for a second, I was like Jasper, and I was like, okay, maybe they're all named after like rocks. You know what I mean? Because then I, I I misheard Bismarck as Bismuth, and I like re-listened, and I don't think it was Bismuth. Regardless, Isabella would not match that naming device anyway um unless they're like scientists i just don't know about and I, i'm also not i don't mean weird like a bad way like i mean we're like a good quirky. yeah quirky which would be no i follow like that she has yeah. something going on that isn't just she's this like bodacious blonde who likes science also, speaking of how she's a bodacious blonde, that Anna Nicole hair that she's rocking is oh, perfect. Oh, my God, isn't it? That's all I could think about. Holy shit. I was like, there's something about this hair. And I'm like, I couldn't remember the exact, like, person I was imagining in it, but Anna Nicole is definitely it. Yeah. Yep. Oh, my God. What a moment. What a time capsule. But, um... <laughs> oh, God. So, she loves Isabella in particular. Um... She gives, she lets JT hold, hold her. JT observes that, like, you know, like, she's kind of fat, which obviously is like, <laughs> oh, Isabella's obviously pregnant, because I've watched enough TV at this point. Um, well, I mean, she knows, or Ms. Hesalakos knows <laughs> Isabella's pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> Though, my favorite, it would be funny if they somehow worked in my favorite trope for or my the dumbest but also like always funny to see because when tv writers can't think of anything else like oh a woman just vomited in this movie or show pregnant yeah that's the shorthand it was like yeah isabel vomited this morning that's kind of weird <laughs> i didn't know guinea pigs could vomit <laughs> she's sadly requesting ice cream with pickles and we just don't understand <laughs> But, um, so JT holds her and, like, Hasselakos makes a big deal out of it, which is, like, kind of sweet. I mean, guinea pigs I've found to be very easy to hold, but, like, they're just a burrito with legs. (laughs) What? Noisy little burritos. Yeah. But, um, so, like, she's trying to turn this into, like, a positive, like, you know, she's taking it into, like, a super positive thing and how that's a big deal. Is this where she suggests he should become a veterinarian? No, I think it might be another scene. Veterinarian, vegetarian joke. Oh, yeah. God. As someone who is someone who does not eat meat, 
I found it a little bit tasteless, and that in itself was a terrible little bit of a pun and joke about food preferences. Yeah. That doesn't... <laughs> but yeah, that doesn't surprise me in the least, though. Like, I feel like... I feel like there's this weird cognitive dissidence with how Degrassi writes, and I I really want to try and put it into, like, a formal piece where it's, like... Sometimes within the same episode, the A plot and the B plot, like, there is no, like, no awareness between the two of, like, the fact that the humor in it really hurts the efforts that the series makes to be progressive. And I feel like that's a really good example of it, because it's like, you have very sincere scenes about vegetarianism in the series with Sean and Emma bonding over how they have issues with the meat industry and how, like, you know, they they opted, they opt not to eat meat. And then you also have, like, these types of jokes that happen in it. And it's just kind of like... Like, I understand characters are going to be ignorant, and I'm not saying that every single character has to be perfect, but I find it very odd and lazy with, like, how the writers approach humor in general. I mean with like we've seen them get in some pretty good jokes here and there oh yeah but they're like <laughs> but, but the thing is with jt jt is not somebody who's going to make you like work for that punchline no jt is a lazy lazy comedy writer he is he is um and i cannot wait to hear his bit about airplane food uh... <laughs> but um when you know later on Sean asks about JT's time with, he calls her hot sauce. That's how I'm going to refer to the rest of the episode synopsis, Mrs. Hot Sauce. Uh, that comes up. Yeah, yeah, he use, he milks that for all it's worth. It's like his only moment of sense of humor for the whole week, so he's gotta, gotta really use it. He's like Spinner. Yeah, he is like Spinner. But, he's becoming more and more like Spinner with each passing episode. No, They're like be slowly becoming the same person to a certain extent. I hate it. I know. <laughs> but um Sean, what is going on, my dude? Yeah. And then like they're talking in like computer class about this. Snake catches them talking about it and like tries to kind of de-escalate it, but like it doesn't really do anything. They're still like talking about it. Um and it's just kind of setting the tone in terms of, like, this... The relationship dynamic that JT is trying to portray versus what is happening within the classroom concerning this dynamic. Yeah. So. Oh, boy. Um, then, of course, this continues. This cl- This plot jumps from like there's like three different classrooms that it's like featured in it like there's the science class it's also features media immersion and then it also features math in the next scene because in the next scene after like they have like they're working on math stuff toby claims that like jt has a girlfriend um and emma is just like oh is it liberty finally (laughs) honey (laughs) emma's like i ship it Right, like... And I'm just like, oh, Emma, you need to stop shipping toxic hetero relationships. Give her a break, she's in one. <laughs> oh! Sorry. Um, and Toby is just like, no, it's not Liberty's, it has the Lacos. 
Um, and then Emma and Manny, like, di- like they, like, they dismiss it, and they specifically cite that classic, like, equation that yeah. half your age plus seven rule. I don't know that's a bad rule. <laughs> I would not date... I think that for myself after hearing that, because, like, I had never heard that before. I guess I missed that somehow. So I looked at it, and I'm about to be 30, so whatever, we'll round up. And for me, that's 22. It's like, that feels like remarkably young. I agree. I agree. I agree. Because, like, I I guess I would clock a little. I haven't done them. I'm 27, about to turn 28. Half of that is 14 plus 7, yes? Yeah. Yeah, 21. Oh! I probably never want to date a 21-year-old at this point in my life. I think mine would be somewhat okay because I'd be twenty three. That's like borderline for me. I think like I think the lowest the lowest I'd go would be a twenty five year old. Yeah. Because like tw- twenty five and below, you I mean, well, t- twenty five to twenty one, you have no idea what the fuck you're doing. True. Like yeah, for real, you really don't. I mean, I feel like yeah, no, I just feel like that. That's mine is a bit too young for me, but also like. I feel like my, my opinion's a little different because it's, like, I, I work, like, you know, I, I have, like, a full-time job. I'm, like, a sa- I work on a salary and, like, a Monday through Friday type of schedule and things like that. And I feel like, like, I can't date a student anymore. You know what I mean? Like, I can't, I can't keep up with the lifestyle of a college student. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, them being, like, I'm going to stay up until 4 a.m. on a Thursday. It's, like, good night. <laughs> like, <laughs> 11 o'clock, bye. Yeah, like... All my friends make fun of me because I'll, like, pop into bed at, like, 10. But I was like, I do all my best stuff in the morning. Like, yeah, you are you are the embodiment of a morning person, which is great because we record this at night. So. <laughs> hey, I'm doing pretty good for somebody who's been up since 3 this morning. Yeah. Um, but, but, like, anyway, so that, I, I have heard that equation. And, and full disclosure, I would do that equation with my favorite musicians when I was in high school. <laughs> like maybe Davy Havoc would date me. No, he wouldn't. Thank God he wouldn't because I was a baby. <laughs> anyway, not the point. Now, oh, for real though, like that's definitely a thing where theoretically you can make it happen because I know all the golf clubs he hangs out in L.A. and he's apparently rather desperate sometimes. Oh baby, I could be living the dream. Don't tell me that. I am one impulse trip away from L- like from going to LA and seeing if <laughs> seeing if this would work. Oh God! I can I came and Skype in one person. How am I gonna Skype in two? Right. <laughs> I'm like I just leave. I just disappear. But um, um. Oh my gosh. Um. But yeah, like I would used to do that. So I was familiar with it. Um. They determined that she's thirty. Um, they determined that she would be able to, so she would be able to date a 22-year-old, which, and then, of course, they make fun of JT because he's obviously not 22, and he's small, and he's a child, which, true, right, <laughs> she wouldn't date a child. They're all children. <laughs> I know. I know. But, um, so the next time, um, we see the, the plot kick in, Hasselakos ushers JT over um she's like I want to show you something um Sean's like has his locker conveniently right by the room um so JT leans in toward him and is like oh I bet she does and like low fives him 
Um, and when they enter, like, when he enters the room, House of Lacos is like, oh, Isabella is pregnant. He, like, assumes guinea pigs have hundreds of babies. <laughs> <laughs> I do love when she, like, I think Hasalakos has a certain amount of affection for him, but also realizes he's pretty dumb at times. I, I get it, though, because it's like, like, I don't know, there's a lot, I've had a lot of, like, rowdy kids that I just have a big old soft spot for, like, I know that they're hellions. <laughs> Yeah, like, they're the ones that you remember, and a lot of the times those are the ones where maybe they're not always good, but you remember the victories so well with them, and a lot of the time those are the ones that, like, they may not always be aware of how much time you put into them, but there's a lot that do realize that and do appreciate you. It, you've, you've said this, I believe, about Spinner, too. Yeah, 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 like, he, he as a student, would drive me up a wall, but there's a part of him that like you could kind of tell he's trying yeah and especially after he like went from like repeating a class to like doing actually pretty okay the second time around and everything like he would be considered to me a success story even if he's an idiot okay i was gonna say this for rankings but i just want to go back to that blue pen thing i'm just like Spinner, what the fuck? Like, you guys were doing so well, and now you're gonna be a dick like, dickhead about this now? I know, after you egged Quan's car. Goddamn. And then, well, she's like, fresh start between us. Yeah, yeah, no, she's done so much for him. And, Whatever. Ugh, I know. Me. I know, I agree. But, um, so, Hasselakos is just, like, you know, showing him, like, how she can, how he can kind of feel out the babies and everything. Um, and then the next time we see JT, he, it's Emma scoping him out in the computer lab, and he's trying to research guinea pigs, but he can't spell. He spells it G-I-N-Y. <laughs> Can I confess something? Yes. I checked my notes right after this and realized I was spelling guinea pig wrong. <laughs> I was placing the I in the wrong place. I was spelling it G U N I E A. Gunia. You have letters in there, though. I do. I do. It wasn't as bad as him. <laughs> like that. You just made a very easy jumble. Yeah. His his was like, it was bad. There's but, no. I don't. Th I can't think of a single word that contains those four letters. Right. Well, I mean, like just those four letters. Right. But um, Emma. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Emma. Emma's like trying to help him out. Um, and get him to spell it correctly. <laughs> I'm just thinking one of his pride just like kicking away. Like, no, I'm pretty sure it's spelled this way. <laughs> I know. I'm absolutely certain. And, and Emma's like, no, you just saw the results. Forget it. <laughs> definitely more in the world like this isn't just this unique phenomenon Hasselako's <laughs> classroom <laughs> but um so like he he's doing some research and learning about guinea pigs and how to take care of guinea pigs great so he cares about something um and then meanwhile we see class again 
Um, Manny is having her hair, having balloons rubbed against her hair to show attraction, so her hair was super wrecked. And you know, whatever. Y'all were in, most of you, I assume, anybody listening to this has probably been in like a really basic science class where you went over this. We don't need to go over it again. (laughs) But, um, Armstrong then appears and asks Hasselakos to step out, and like, as they're stepping out, she puts his hand, puts her hand on his shoulder... As they're, like, kind of walking out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, so, so this leads to Sean being like, oh, like, she has a boyfriend. And JT obviously comes to her defense by pointing out that Armstrong is married. So, and then Toby points, and then, like, Toby then says, like, JT isn't funny and is acting like Liberty, which is literally, like, I feel like the fifth time this season that somebody has referred to somebody being a killjoy as being Liberty. Yep. Like... No, that character, but that sounds really rude. It is. And it gets worse when you put it in the context of she is a nice, smart black girl. Yeah. Who... Yeah. Who also did a presentation about as JT and completely slammed him and it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But like, it, it just continues putting the bad taste in your mouth. Like the fact that, and, and like also with Liberty, she she's a girl who for, she's now friends with Emma and Manny, but for most of her existence in the series, she had no friends. So it's like it's such an example of punching down that's just obnoxious. And it, it it's happened multiple times in this season. I'm just going back to my theory and just thinking about like JT has as strict parents as Manny does but Manny's are the only ones who actually have an effect on her life. Yeah. And I'm just thinking like Liberty is either as smart or smarter than Toby but Toby is just known as the computer guy. Yeah. Liberty is punished for it. Yeah. 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 I I think your theory has a lot of legs. It's a millipede. It is a millipede. Because, like, it. I feel like this is something that we're probably going to talk about for many episodes at this point. Because I feel like it just, there's more and more and more and more the more we think about it. But, um, so, Toby says, like, you know, he's acting like Liberty... Sean then claims that JT is Hasselako's pet. So, JT logically goes, oh, there's balloons in here. Shove them, like, in the room. Shoves them under his shirt. But more importantly, Toby motorboats him. Let's go to the picture. Yeah, that was... That was wild to me. Like, that was so, like, overt. And, like mildly homoerotic like i was not ready for it yet oh my god (laughs) sorry like frank has a screenshot of it and it's like it's lewd like i know that it's balloon in terms of like oh i'm gonna sort of like put my face on these balloon boobs it's like no i'm gonna get in there yeah 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 like it's not just like because like i feel like Thank you. Sorry, Frank Frank just keeps showing it to me. I feel like a lot of the time when you do a gag like this on television, like, at most, you have somebody, like, touching the fake boob. You know what I mean? Like, and it's like an awkward cup. 
Like, this was just straight up, like, going to town on these plastic titties. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I'll never be able to unhear that sentence. Nope, you won't. <laughs> um, I mean, like, during all this, JT's also, like, acting like a parody of Hasselakos, but I got so distracted by the motorboating that, like, that all went out the window when I was watching it. I was just like, what the fuck? Her response, though, was very similar to that what the fuck. Like, it's a moment of realization across this woman's face where it's like, he's making fun of me. Because he's making fun of my boob size. Because he's probably attracted to me. And now they're they're simulating sex acts. And what do I do? Yeah. And, it's... and the next time we see her, she's just like angry, sad, listening to headphones with classical music on. Yeah. And it's, I appreciated, I think like once we hit this point in the episode, um, my feelings toward this plot softened quite a bit. Because I, I appreciate that it showed a teacher getting upset, and rightfully so, and not suddenly being warm and fuzzy toward the student afterwards, because I feel like teachers are treated as monoliths, they're not usually treated as people, and I feel like there is this conversation that is not really being had in education circles concerning, like, what do you do when you've had this happen to you? When you've had a child, yes, a child, yeah, sure, they're young and they're still growing, do something like this to you that hurts you, that hurts, like, you know, your yourself, and especially when it's something like your body. Because it's, like, it's not just, like, you know, it's not just, like, a betrayal. It's also, like, embarrassing and just a whole and, combination of other things. Because I was thinking, like, she's probably had to deal with this for a while. Oh, yeah. Especially, she's a science teacher, and that's a very male-dominated field. Mm-hmm. You know. So, she probably had to get, like, deal with that all through, like, college and all through, like, her, probably her entire life. Yeah. And, like, not to make this into a talk about boobs and things like that, but, like, I'm just gonna fucking say it. Like, as somebody with a larger chest than some people, I've had a lot of weird attention brought to me between, like, you know, in various spaces because of it. And especially when you're somebody who developed them pretty early, you get a lot of weird attention on you when, start like, pretty much when you're super young and the attention doesn't usually go away. So you do run into this issue where it's like, what do I do? Do I cover them? Do I just show them? I mean, if I, you know, a lot of the time things don't fit unless I do certain things with it, unless I unbutton some of my top and things like that, I could just accept it and embrace it or I can try and bind them down. I don't fucking know. So, like, when you have somebody do that to you, I mean, I don't know Hasalako's life, but I'm assuming if she's somebody who has gone through this for a while, I'm sure it's something that has affected her a lot of her life. So to see someone do that to you, even if it is a kid, like, it really fucking hurts. And sometimes it might be worse when it's a kid because it reminds you of when kids did that shit to you in the first place. Yeah, that's... I, I also really liked her just, like, h- hanging out in the Zen garden. Which yeah. should just be teachers only, honestly. Right, they need a Zen garden. <laughs> I need a Zen garden. <laughs> like... And she's just like, look, kid, I don't want any of your, like, I don't want any of your apologies. I don't 
want to be bothered by you anymore because, like, that fucking stung. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, it was nice to see her just straight up be like, look, you fucked up. I don't want to hear from you right now. Um, because I think a lot of the time when you're in that position, you're encouraged to not reflect on how you feel and you're encouraged to just kind of be put a wall up and just kind of be like I'm just gonna keep going and it's nice to see an adult allow themselves to be vulnerable and to tell tell a kid when they're hurt because I feel like much like how the b plot lacks this component of like actual communication I feel like a lot of teacher and student relationships not in a romantic sense just relationships between teachers and students rarely encourage that degree of communication with each other and um she also like gives him some real talk and she's just like look the you know what the biggest problem or i biggest thing that you know sucks about this is that you're a smart kid and like if you stop trying to make everybody laugh like you know stop being the class clown you could actually do something like great and he's like, well, I'm just going to transfer out of your class because, like, JT doesn't want to hear that he can't be, like, you know, class clown JT anymore. Mm-hmm. And, like, as much as I just, yeah, you know, I don't like JT for the most part, but I do understand that reaction and that, like, if somebody kind of goes after something you see as the core part of your being, you're, it's going to feel like a, sh- just a pure rejection. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Miss Hasselakis has a very astute point about him, but he's not going to hear that because he's like, this is who I am. If I'm not this, what am I? Yeah, which which might be that connection back to, like, how I was pointing out how he lacks interests. Yeah. He refuses to explore those interests. Yeah. So he can become this caricature day in, day out. Yeah, and that's why, like, when I feel like that's why he acted out so aggressively mm. because like Toby kind of hit that button like you're acting like Liberty you're not acting all funny and jokey yeah so but um I don't know if you have any other thoughts Cassie about this looking at like the way that she was able to reflect I do appreciate that a lot because as you said it's really hard to even just capture the moments in the day to sit and think yeah and even harder so like obviously she knows that her student is attracted to her so it's even more hurtful coming from a student you feel like you're making a connection with Mm -hmm. to then feel like that sort of behavior and after a while it becomes almost defeatist and frustrating because nobody wants to feel that way especially when it comes from kids and like I had an experience a few years back where a child that I was not particularly fond of made a really inappropriate joke about me and I was a school administrator at that point but being their dean and someone who theoretically was the person who was supposed to like hand out discipline for these types of things when it's about you it becomes inappropriate on every level Mm -hmm. like even at age yeah. So when you've got students that like make comments about your body or about you, for laughs especially, and you feel almost powerless in that moment, it becomes a thing where like you just need to distance yourself. So I liked that the episode really spent some time like giving Ms. Hazlakis like a voice, even if her voice was, I just cannot talk to you right now. 
but I could also see it that it almost looks like she's being standoffish from like a non-educator's point of view and she's just like rejecting this student that needs her help the most right now yeah yeah it's it's and it's a good I, I appreciate that you pointed it out in that way because I feel like it's easy for me to get wrapped up in the educator perspective because it's literally been my life. I mean, I've, I've worked with kids as long as I've been able to work. So like, since <laughs> I've been 16, I have been in some form of an education or a youth leadership position. And it's very easy to be sympathetic to that. And, and I feel like there is something to be said about kind of stepping out of that perspective for a second and trying to figure out how people outside of the education perspective may see this type of handling of the situation. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, it just really made me remember a lot of the times when I've worked with youth and I have just not been able to be supported for many reasons, whether it was like comments about my body or I've had kids say things about my sexuality and things like that. And a lot of the time, either subtly or overtly, not really getting very much support from administrators or fellow teachers in the process is just a very lonely, sad experience. And I was not expecting to see it replicated in this episode, <laughs> but it happened. <laughs> but um, next time we see JT, I mean, JT leaves, he's like, she's like, whatever, I'll just, I'll transfer out. And just is like trying to take the easy way out. But the next time we see JT, he passes by Hasselakos' classroom, and when he looks in the window, part of the door, he sees that Isabella is out of her cage. Yeah. Um, he's And he immediately panics. He starts pulling on the door, trying to get it open. It's locked. And he just sprints, like, and finds Miss Hasselakos. She's trying to leave, and he's just like, look, I know I fucked up. But Isabel's out of her cage. I need your help. <laughs> yeah. So, like, she goes over to the door. She sees that Isabella is out. And she's like, oh, no. Uh, she's like, oh, I must have left the cage open when I, like, when I was cleaning. And they open up the door. And they have this very slapstick attempt at catching guinea pig. And, like, maybe I'm just misremembering my time having a guinea pig. Are they really that fast that they're in, like, no. hard to <laughs> <laughs> Isabella is a very pregnant guinea pig, as they keep reminding us. She's not going that fast. Like it's like a slow speed chase. Like <laughs> it, it should it should be literally like trying to catch your turtle, where it, it's like it's moving very slowly. Uh oh, it's moving a bit faster, but you can still like make two strides and catch it. Right, like it's just like the two of them just like disagreeing, like where they should be going and who's gonna have her, who's gonna scoop her up, like. Also, she's not like a mouse. She's a big guinea pig. Like, yeah. You could definitely just kind of like, loop and like, take her. But anyway, she, like all good rodents do, attempts to hide in like a little, like a dark space, which is like underneath the cabinets. Yeah. And JT is like, oh, that's that's good. She wants to go somewhere dark and safe. I know because I researched. And Haslakos is like, you do realize they put rat poisoning in here, right? <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> so, so um they're like trying to find ways to get her out and jt uses his research again um well th first they try to like flimsily reach out to her 
Yeah. <laughs> like, they're, like their arm kind of passively in the hole for a little bit. Yeah. And then JT realizes that he can recreate a safe dark space, which is what she wants. And what he does is he, like, turns off all the lights. He puts on the classical music that Hasselakos was playing. Um, and it's enough to coax Isabella into her cage. Um, and... I, I actually have to yes. say about all of that. Please. Um, first, they shoot the clock at one point. Like, you see both people in the room, like, frustrated about this guinea pig, like, leaning against furniture and sighing and, like, we should just go home already. And they've been there, assuming that Canadian high school gets out around the same time as American high school, say, like, 3 o'clock, the latest. Yeah. It's now 6 p.m. So... <laughs> What was that last like, time? To go back and look at it because they definitely shot the clock on purpose. So I was like, why is it six? <laughs> right. They not like set out some food or like got in the back of a broom handle in there and just kind of like scooted her out. Like, okay, fine. And then with the safe dark space, like we've now created mood lighting and classical music and everyone is just uncomfortable now. Like it was definitely a thing where, yes, we're getting the pig out, but we're also seeing JT, like, trying to build a little romance because he still will not let this go. Yeah. Yeah, it's true, though. It's, like, very just, like... He doesn't know how to say no, when to say no. We know this because we've seen, like, literally, like, 500 plots about this damn concept. And it, it does continue that trend. And it's just, like... <sighs> like, I... I um, uh, I feel like the fire in my belly has been like, like been like quelched a little bit from this damn like the amount of plots we've had like this. But it's it's true. It's like just really uncomfortable. But it does work for Isabella. Apparently, she feeds off of that. Apparently, um, guinea pigs like uh, classical music and mood lighting. Yes, things, things we've learned. And celery. Never forget celery. Yeah. <laughs> she comes crawling out and back into her cage. Um, and, and like, I don't know. It's just like one of those things where everything is okay. Hasselakos is talking to JT. Um, I don't know. He makes like a joke or something. They talk about him maybe becoming a stand-up comedian. Yeah. Um. Wait, is this the next day, or... No, this is, like, still right afterwards. Like, JT is talking about, like, you know, maybe, like, you know, potential careers and things like that. I think this is where Hasselakos brings up the veterinarian path thing again. Yeah. JT's like, well, maybe I'll do stand-up. She's like, do whatever you want, as long as you stay in school. Um, and... JT takes this as an opportunity to ask her, like, you know, did she always want to be a teacher? Um... And this part was kind of interesting, too, because she says, like, she, you know, she's always wanted to be a teacher. And the way that he joked about her really hurt her because it made her feel, like, delegitimated. Mm. Which I thought was kind of nice for her to just straight up say. Because he also points out, like, you weren't a model at some point. Yeah, yeah. Which probably was something else people said to her. Like, why yeah. do you want to be a teacher? Do you just be a model or something? Exactly. 
So I'm, so, I'm sorry. Were you gonna say something, Cassie? Yeah. No, I wasn't. So, it's just, I, yeah. I mean, like, it's just one more, one more, uh, dude or one more person, I should say, just judging Hesselock as purely by her looks. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I'm really hoping like we find out down the line that she is, like, she's weird, and like. You know, kooky and fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to see that, too. It's just, like, it's interesting, it seems like, because, like, she's she's introduced as this kind of, like, femme fatale with a science degree for, like, a little bit, and, like, just kind of slinks around in the classroom and everything, and, you know, we, we said some pretty harsh, dismissive things about her even yeah. in the episodes. Because, like... <laughs> Yeah, like I'm, I'm gonna have to now like backtrack and apologize for the things I said because they weren't great, but also, but the, and this, this isn't an excuse; it's just an explanation. Like I, she became the subject to allow the idiot boys in the show to be awful. Yeah, and that was like so that she just became that the totem for that, and I'm like, yep, she's there. These boys can be terrible. God, I do not like this character for that, but it wasn't her fault. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 kind of interesting, and I'm sure I will re-listen to what we said in those past episodes and cringe, but, you know, whatever. We, we, we are not afraid to have character growth on this podcast. Yeah, we're, um, we're growing just the same as the characters. Truly. Um, but there is something to kind of think about with that, how they're trying to give her a little more depth here, and... It is kind of nice to hear that, especially because as we've established, like, science and science teaching and things like that, it's it's not always the easiest. Like, I feel like there are more women in teaching science than there used to be, but I feel like even with subjects like social studies where there are a lot more folks who aren't dudes teaching it as well, like, there's always kind of the expectation that still hangs over you, even if you're in a school where, like, there's a lot of not dudes teaching it like the expectation is still there the parents still kind of expect it and to a certain extent the students expect it to a certain extent like it's it's very hard to break away from even if in terms of like the gender breakdown of your department like it doesn't necessarily reflect it anymore yeah but um the next time we see next time we see them the plot ends on this point where jt's coming into class um, he said, like, you know, I'm not going to transfer or anything like that. And Hasselakos is like, well, maybe you should have, because I'm going to give a pop quiz right now. <laughs> Which was a little funny. Um, and Sean and Toby ask about what was going on. And JT kind of sets it up like they were going to have this big romantic thing happen between him and Hasselakos the night before. But really, it's all just the punchline is that he had a shared a beautiful moment with her watching Isabella have her babies. Which, yeah, like, I actually, this, that was heartwarming to me, where he's just like, the lights are low, soft music was playing, then Isabella gave birth to her babies. <laughs> and then, like, as they're, like, all disgusted and walking away, he's like, come on, guys, guinea pig birth is a wonderful thing. <laughs> I did appreciate that. Yeah, it felt like de-escalation that I would expect a kid his age to do. You know what I mean? Like, if it was, like, if he was older, I'd be like, "Mm, come on, dude. But I feel like in terms of how, 
like how far JT has not come like in, in the past like season and a half. I felt like this was a good example of like him learning how to take the persona that he has and use it for like something a little better than what it used to. Yeah, I mean, like, he's starting to defy expectations of himself. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's it's something. Yeah. I don't hate him like I usually do at the end of these episodes. Because, like... <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, Cassie? Yes. No, I just laughed. Yeah. <laughs> um, because normally at the end of an episode, like, he just gets to continue being JT. And now, like, now that he's... Now that he's hurt somebody who's not liberty with his words, like, he has to come to the consequences. It's true. I think hopefully this will be something that he understands and keeps going with. Yeah. Any other takes about this A plot from anybody? I'm good. What about is it for me? Yeah. So, Frank, what would we rate this episode? Yeah, C+. Plus. It's not... Terrible. It, it wasn't Drive, which is now the nadir. Ugh, drive was so bad. But it wasn't like there were parts of it that were just the 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 fake boobs thing, the like the mastodon thing. <laughs> okay, you know it's getting detected that to a scene. Now I'm thinking about all the parts of it, but like that ending makes it better. Like you know. JT finally learning something and finally growing a little bit like that makes it a bit better so yeah. it would otherwise be like a D but it can be a C yeah Cassie do you have any rating you would like to give this episode oh that's interesting um, coming as someone who has this is the first episode I've actually spent any real time with mm-hmm. and knowing these characters kind of like as one-offs I'll go with C plus B minus I can agree with that because it gives me enough background about these characters that I'm able to figure them out without having to like really know them mmm yeah that's a good point so there's not a lot here that really needs a deep dive of like background information I'm able to sort of suss out everything I need to know about these characters and their relationships within this episode good point yeah so next we do character rankings where we give our highs well you guys give your highs and lows of some of these characters after this episode um it feels like there weren't that many characters in this episode it feels like the rankings might be a little breezier than usual yeah uh cassie do you or i'll i'll go first so set the model yeah, you go first. yeah. uh okay sean jimmy Ashley, you're all going down pretty far. Because how dare you do that to Miss Kwan? <laughs> like, Ashley, you were student of all students last year. And you, like, this is this is how you do? <laughs> so, yeah, no, all three of them are going down. Ellie, I also had to, to you would be going down as far as them, but you did take the initiative to tell Spinner... That he stank, so you're rising up about half. You're only losing about half as much as those other three nerds did. Um. Uh. 
Spike for telling JT and Toby to shut up. You're going up a few steps. Um, Emma for <laughs> having stars in your eyes. Um, you're going up a little bit. Manny for making fun of JT. You're going up a little bit. Toby and Sean just keep hanging out the bottom. Like, I'm just getting sick of your, your crap at this point. Um, Terry, you're going up a little bit. I feel bad about the way Jimmy decided to make fun of you. Um, that's it. Those are my rankings. Queen Page wasn't there. Hazel wasn't there. Yeah, Craig, she wasn't. Craig, Marco. No, miss them. Yeah, miss them all. How about your rankings, Cassie? Whoa, okay. So I don't know all of those characters, and I can't interact with them other than it's like, oh, that's the person that said the thing. So the people, the characters that I am going to go with here, um, let's start B-plot, folks. Jimmy is kind of my low point here because as much as I appreciate, like, he's, like, trying to grow and get his girl back and whatever, he still totally goes along with this stupid sort of, like, let's make all of the honesty lists before just getting really shitty to Spinner, even though, you know, Spinner equally just as like, the stinky kid with the bad ideas, like, he'll go one up above that. Ashley, I feel like, girl, she's really trying. She doesn't know what she's trying to do, but she's trying to do something. But not cool that she let Miss Kwan kind of like just roll around with ink on her face, which again, crazy. Why do you not know you have ink all over your face? True. Um, and then let's go just up from there. JT has a little bit of an arc. He goes up and down, but eventually like redeeming character. So I'll, I'll put him somewhere near my tops. That's what I got. Nice. So let's go into our final phase where we provide recommendations. Of course, recommendations can be things that are directly relevant to the plot of the episode, but they can also just be things that we are really enjoying right now. Um, as always, whenever any of these episodes talk about teachers, my recommendation always goes back to My Hero Academia, even though I revealed my hatred toward Mineta as a creature. Um, a lot of the stories and a lot of the plots do either heavily involve the teachers or directly involve the teachers and their relationship dynamics with the students and the unique relationship dynamics that they have with individual students. So if you want to check out teachers written in a way that's actually pretty solid, um, My Hero Academia is always my recommendation. Um, I don't really have anything else off the top of my head that I feel like recommending us directly relevant. So I'll just give a music recommendation, which seems to be what I like to do when these situations happen. Um, I am absolutely obsessed with Love in the Time of Email, which is the new album by Antarctico Vespucci. So if you want to listen to something that is very friendship-centric, which I really appreciate a lot, the album is focused on friendship, and when you really like somebody and you really want to be their friend, but you don't want to make them annoyed and you don't want to inconvenience them, um like this is that's like what the whole album is about so i would recommend giving it a shot you can definitely listen to it for free very easily um and see if it's something that you're interested in uh, yeah i don't really have anything like 
specifically to recommend for this episode. So I'm just going to recommend um, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Um, it's an Amazon Prime original. Um, it's about a uh, young woman whose husband... Uh, she finds that her, her husband was an up-and-coming comedian, but he sucked. And he's just a worm. And he's cheating on her. And then, she, like, one night she gets drunk and goes on stage and just kills it. Like, as a comedian. And then um, she decides to become a comedian. And it's about her journey with her super awesome manager slash friend, Susie. She's Jewish, too, right? Like, yes. That's a lot, like, really good Jewish rep from my understanding. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet, but that's what I've heard. Yeah. It's it's pretty good. I just got through the third and fourth episode. We're doing a short run podcast, short run uh, number of episodes on it for Teen Girl Talk as a celebration. We just got 30 ratings. Um, and, like, the third episode, like, she gets, like, she's just, it's awesome. Like, it's like that good kind of historical thing where she's running into famous people, but they're also, like, kind of shitty and, like, but also, like, they're good and bad. They're people. They're not just like, oh, look, there's Lenny Bruce. Yeah. Like, like Lenny Bruce is kind of a shit heel, but, I mean, he's a good dude, but, like, you know, he, he kind of, he's kind of a fuck up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I highly recommend it. It is excellently... Um, film it's actually directed and written it's just amazing nice so it won it won so like sweep the Emmys and it won, deserved every award it won so awesome I'll have to get get on that how about you Cassie so a little bit related to the episode tangentially uh, with that whole vegetarian veterinarian joke uh, I am going to recommend a book called Eating Animals by Jonathan Safran Foer it is a book that explores vegetarianism in a way that is way more emotional than it is any of the like factory farms are evil. So with Thanksgiving coming up especially, it is something that I try to come back to every year examining the choice that I made to stop eating animals and stop eating meat in terms of my emotions. Because food and family and community are so linked mm-hmm. that the idea of like you have all these food memories of like a Thanksgiving dinner when you're a child and like the things that your family might make for you but now you almost isolate yourself when you make choices to change your diet for any reason so I really like that this is a book that sort of examines that personal journey and how to reconcile your thoughts and feelings with your family about the choices you make to try to live a better lifestyle nice okay so of course, if you're comfortable enough to give it. Um, are there any ways that people can continue the conversation with you um, on social media? Oh, gosh. Um, okay. So it's probably easiest to reach me via one of my multiple emails. Um, I would send me an email at hungryhistoryteacher at gmail.com. All one word, all lowercase, no punctuation. Awesome. So if people want to continue the conversation with you about vegetarianism, because I feel like your perspective might be what some people may want to see, or if you just want to talk to Grassy stuff um, or anything, um, thank you for kind of sharing it. Of course. Thanks. 
Um, and of course, if you want to stay in touch with the podcast, there's a couple ways that you can do it. You can email us at ihopepod at gmail.com. You can also join some of our social media platforms, which include ihopepod on Twitter, as well as ihopepod on Tumblr, as well as our Facebook group, which is called I Hope I Can Make It Through a Podcast. Um, we are getting some comments and things like that from people, and we really appreciate them, and I've been trying to reply to them because um, I'm the one who runs everything, sorry. Um, but it's been really nice beginning to interact with people. Um, if you would like to get involved in the conversation, feel free to email us with any um, potential guest spot ideas, whether you have specific episodes, characters, plots, or just general, you want to be on the list when we need somebody. As well as we're always looking for your personal experiences with Degrassi, whether it's through text that you want us to read on, on air or audio files. Please do not hesitate to send them to us, or if you know somebody in your life who is a veteran who maybe doesn't know about the podcast yet or doesn't really feel not really too sure about it yet like feel free to encourage them to send things our way um also we now have a coffee or ko-fi i know Hiram <laughs> calls it ko-fi and it always messes me up <laughs> i just call it coffee because it's buy me a coffee right that's what i that's what i mean but there's always one person, and then I get very suspicious. It's like GeoCities versus GeoCities. I never really figured it out. Or GIF versus GIF. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's the internet, and we don't have audio all the time. Anyway, if you would like to buy us a coffee, feel free to do so. Um, we'll have the link below. Um, if you are interested in doing that, um, we put that money toward making the, I, the uh, podcast experience better through tech, as well as offering compensation for our wonderful guests when they come on. Um, so if you feel like sparing some cash, feel free. We will love you forever. And I haven't really thought of what to do when we actually get them. But <laughs> we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Yeah. Um, maybe we'll write you a haiku. A haiku. A haiku. Jesus, I like anime. Oh, wow. It's getting late. Oh, no, no. That was just me revealing that I watch anime way more than I, I care to admit. Anyway, if you want to talk to me about anime or Degrassi or life in general or being an educator or working with middle schoolers or whatever tickles your fancy, you can always tweet. You can always follow me on Twitter um, at DM is unbreakable. Um, I don't have a Twitter. Um, I just have another podcast called Teen Girl Talk. It's about um, teen movies, media, books, whatever. Um, and I, I do that with my sister. So. And with that said, Cassie, you've made it through. Ooh, fancy that. I know. Um, <laughs> that being said, everybody, um, we're going to hope we're going to keep making it through and that you're going to be there with us. Until next week. Later. See ya. Bye.